The text that we're opening with tonight and that I've read to you twice is Romans 8:29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. For whom is a group of people and we're included in that. And our God knew us before the world began. And that is what is understood by the word foreknow or foreknew here in this verse. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He set their destiny in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son. Now this is not practical conforming, but total conforming. As a cross-reference, I like 1 John 3, 2 that says, Behold, not are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. God is in the process from these eternal acts of making us just like the Lord Jesus Christ, so that He, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be the firstborn or the preeminent one among many brethren, the family of God. Of all races, tongues, tribes, and nations, the Lord's gathering Himself a people. And He has designed this from before the world began when He chose to know us and set our destiny to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is our subject for tonight. God's everlasting love for His people and the eternal union of those people to the Lord Jesus Christ. A wonderful subject, not often dealt with. Because today, people emphasize the fact that sinners come in union with Christ at baptism. Or sinners come in union with Christ at faith. Or sinners come in union with Christ by the operation of the Spirit. But sinners were put in Christ before the world began in the eternal counsel of God. And that's what we want to think about. It's God's everlasting love for His people and their eternal union with the Lord Jesus Christ that can never be interrupted or violated. It is the basis of our salvation. It's the basis for our assurance. It's a wonderful doctrine, though very rarely taught. The greatest of all subjects, possibly. This subject is the honey or the nectar, the marrow of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has to be traced back to when Jesus Christ was foreordained to the work of the cross and why and for whom. And we were put in Christ before the world began and and God's purpose and grace was given to us back then. God's love today, the way it is presented, is perverted to blasphemous folly. It's blasphemous to think that God loves someone and it says they cannot be separated from Him, but yet they end up in the lake of fire. High Calvinists, or hyper-Calvinists, and there is some distinction, but it's not worth knowing, so I'm not going to chase that. Like John Gill, one of our Baptist fathers from London, exalted this dear truth and defended it vigorously. Our current study of assurance of eternal life in our other assemblies is using 1 John 3 and 4, which are about God's love, and so this fits with them well. I want a short and simple presentation of it. God's love is everlasting in this direction. The past. Amen. 
God's love runs back as far as it can run back because we're dealing with an eternal God and His choice to love, certain that He would create. He loved them before He created them. He loved them before He gave a place for those creatures to live. And so God's everlasting love runs back, all the way back into eternity. God's love is everlasting in this direction. The future. As far as you can see into the future, we can never be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all those words are very important. We can never never be separated from His love, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's that eternal union. God's love is infinite in depth because it reached sinful men. We're not talking about sinful angels. We're talking about reaching deeper than that to sinful men. And God's everlasting love reached that deep to find sinful men, rebel humans, and to choose them and to foreknow them and to predestinate them. God's love is infinite in height because it makes them sons. I am so thankful that the gospel of the grace of God does not end with justification or reconciliation or forgiveness or some of those other facets of salvation that just take away our sins but give us the positive benefit of being His sons. How high can it reach? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. There's the firstborn among many brethren. From Romans 8.29. What a blessing. This is God's everlasting love for His people. It reaches forward. It reaches backward. It reaches deep. And it reaches high. It's glorious. And we should give God glory for it. And you should be thankful for it. And you should embrace it. And you should want to learn about it and meditate upon it. Because in doing that and allowing the Holy Spirit to shed abroad God's love in your heart your assurance of eternal life will increase until you are fully assured before God that you are His and you will be bold in the day of judgment. And it comes through knowing the love of God. God's love should affect all our thoughts and ways. God's love is conditional. God's love is conditional. And this is a wonderful point once we understand what what we're saying. Conditional means that God only loves us based on certain actions being performed. Unconditional love is not special, though it is ballyhooed around today as something special. It's actually impossible, but people can talk about it all they want. God's love is entirely conditional, and it's the greatest love in the universe. God's love is 100% conditional on conduct and on value or worth of its objects. God's love is 100% conditional on His beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we think the word darling is sort of effeminate, maybe, but the word darling is found in the Bible twice, and it refers to the soul. The Lord Jesus Christ referred to His soul as His darling. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the beloved Son of God. Jesus is God's darling Son. And that's what darling means, is His beloved. And so we should be so thankful that we have a Father that sent His Son and gave His Son for us. It is the condition upon which He loves us. And that brings us to the eternal union that we have with Christ. Thus, because of this 100% condition upon the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the importance of our eternal union to Jesus Christ. God has never, never will, see you outside Him. When Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, yes, we were all His enemies, but God had already chosen us in Christ, you know, in eternity before that. But God has viewed us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He always does view us in Jesus Christ. And He always will view us in Jesus Christ because of our eternal union to Him. What we mean by what we've said so far is that God's everlasting love stretches from eternity past to eternity future. What we mean by the eternal union is that we have been bound up as one with the Lord Jesus Christ from eternity. From God's view of the Lord Jesus Christ, He has always seen us in Christ in every way conceivable except us being divine. We are wrapped up in Christ. He is our representative. He is our legal salvation. He is our natural brother by taking on flesh and bones like we have. It just goes on and on. We are so close to Christ and we're going to see that. God has never, never will see you outside Him. And it stretches from eternity. We don't want to look back to a time where we made a choice and from there our union with Christ began. We want to know that it began in eternity. That we've always been Christ in God's sight. And that God designed and sent Christ and made a covenant with Christ for our sakes before He made the world. It makes salvation the reason for the existence of the universe and not salvation as a remedy for the universe. God's love eternity past. Jeremiah 31.3 says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. We read in 2 Thessalonians 2.13 where we usually emphasize the words, but we are bound to give thanks. We want to emphasize the words that we are beloved of God. Beloved of God from the beginning. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13. God's love stretching into eternity past. God's love stretching forward. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The Apostle Paul could write, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor things present, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's those two verses. Nothing can separate us, so it stretches into the future. Nothing. It doesn't matter when we die. We just change location. The Apostle Paul would call it, and the Apostle Peter, my departure to be with Christ. God's love stretches into the future because we have been given an everlasting consolation according to 2 Thessalonians 2. God's love sinks deep to find us because God commended His love toward us by saving sinners in Romans 5 and 6 and 8. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's everlasting love reaches deep. It is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation in 1 Timothy 1.15 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So His everlasting love reaches down to us. And it takes us up, as I've already quoted 1 John 3.1, a wonderful verse. Behold, look at this. The Holy Spirit tells us by our brother John, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. When was that love bestowed? Be very careful in your answer. We've given it in our opening verse. 
And it's the timing of these things that we want to rejoice in. God bestowed His love upon us as the sons of God in eternity. Because that's when He predestinated us to be His sons. As children, we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What an adoption has been wrought by the will and purpose and decrees of God in His everlasting covenant of grace between Him and the Lord Jesus Christ by covenant and us in Christ. We have to be in Christ. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 tells us all spiritual blessings right there in Christ. So we need to be in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption are in Christ Jesus. And we need those things in the sight of God. We'll be coming back to this verse. Eternal life is in Christ Jesus. This life is in His Son. 1 John 5.11 There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. We have to be in Christ eternally very quickly. The five phases that we know quite well. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. His purpose in Christ was given to us before the world began. So we were in Christ eternally. We were in Christ legally. When He died on the cross, the Lord Jesus, it tells us, for He hath made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We swapped sins for righteousness by the legal transaction of our Father in Heaven. Praise His glorious name. And He in His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. It describes His death in 1 Peter chapter 2. So we're in Christ legally, where Jesus Christ represented us and took our sins and the punishment of those sins upon Himself. We are bound up together with the Lord from eternity. We're in Christ vitally. Ephesians 2.6 says that we have been raised and we are sitting together in heavenly places in Christ right now in a vital relationship because He is there and He is the first fruits of them that slept and we are so tightly entwined with Him. We are flesh of His flesh and bone of His bones. We are vitally in heaven right now according to the Word of God. That was not a future tense statement in Ephesians 2.6, but a present one. God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Galatians 4.6, which causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. We have the Spirit of His Son in our hearts. So Christ dwells in our hearts. We are vitally together. And we're practically together. Baptism into Christ puts on Christ. In Galatians 3, And if any be in Christ, he is a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 That's by a changed life. So we practically put on Christ. So we're practically in union with him. And finally, the book of life is going to be open. And what's the book of life for? For names. Your name is going to be in the book of life. And as we saw on Sunday morning, your name was written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Back when we were put into eternal union with Christ, Our names were written in the book of life. And that book will be opened, and it's called the book of life of the Lamb slain, because with an eternal union we are tied up forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will say, Behold, 
to his father, I and the children thou gavest me. He'll lose none of them, and he'll present us all to his father. Look at these comforting verses with me. Blessed, and this is how we ought to think of our Father in heaven, especially right now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He hath blessed us. Not He is blessing us. Not He will bless us. This isn't the final phase of salvation. This is the eternal phase. How did He bless us with all spiritual blessings in Christ? According as He, this is our God and Father, hath chosen us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Amen. Amen. This is God's everlasting love for His people and their union in Christ from eternity. Having predestinated, and here's the second occurrence of that word, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, to God, according to the good pleasure of His will. We had our destiny set beforehand that we would be adopted as the children of God. So Ephesians 1, 4 is matching up perfectly with Romans 8, 29. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. See, we're in the Beloved. We've been in the Beloved Son. We've been in the Darling Son of God by covenant from the eternity, from the found, before the foundation of the world. And so this one sentence lays all that out for us, and it's a wonderful sentence, and we ought to take great comfort and delight in it that God, our Father in heaven, has loved and predestinated and chosen us in Christ, and we are bound up in Christ. Christ is His beloved. It makes us acceptable to God. This is our glorious salvation. First Corinthians one thirty, Just another comforting verse. But of Him, that is of God, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us? Do you mind the repetition? Do you mind all these prepositional phrases? Aren't they wonderful? Amen. God did it. In Christ. God did it. Christ is. Look at these things that we are in Christ. He is our wisdom. We are full of wisdom and righteousness and sanctification, and redemption. And sorry for clouding the verse with a little marking, but look at those four things that we have because God put us in Christ and God made Christ to be our representative in those areas. Amen. That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. I don't see you or me doing anything in verse 30. I see God in Christ doing everything in verse 30. And so the only one that can receive glory from it is God Himself. Jesus Christ was verily, it's a true fact, foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Manifest 2,000 years ago when He came into this world. But He had been foreordained before creation to die for us by covenant. 
You know, we didn't exist before the foundation of the world either, but we were in God's covenant as the beneficiaries of what Jesus would do for us. Another comforting verse. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 29 that speaks about marriage. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. We all love our bodies, is the point being made. But nourisheth and cherisheth it. We nourish and cherish our bodies. Then it says, even as the Lord, the church. Even as the Lord, the church. We're the body of Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ nourisheth and cherisheth us and has never hated his own flesh because of God's everlasting love. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Is that a pretty close connection? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. You wouldn't know this unless I was revealing it to you, Paul's telling us. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. There is a closeness that is weakly or adequately represented by marriage and the marital union that represents Christ and his church. And look at Paul take these verses and apply them to our unity with Christ. And it's existed from when we were given to him. Before the foundation of the world. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That eternal union just continues forward and we are preserved because Christ is the Son of God. Nothing's going to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's glorified at the right hand of Almighty God, but we're in Him. He's in us. And so we're preserved in Christ Jesus and called. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how can God's view of us change since we're in Christ? It doesn't change. We love Him because He first loved us. That everlasting love has had its effect in our lives by Him sending forth His Spirit into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That is the order. We love Him because He first loved us. And we know that not all men love Him Therefore, he didn't love all men, but he loved his chosen people, his elect. Some more comforting verses. Jesus said, as the good shepherd in John chapter 10, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We are in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of glory. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the blessed and only potentate, and we're in his hand. Because God gave us to Christ and He's holding on to us. Nothing can happen to you. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Because the Father holds Christ as the beloved Son of God and we're Christ. Christ is in God's hand and we're in Christ's hand which leaves us in God's hand as well. We're safe. We're saved. We're blessed. From eternity to eternity. He's raised us from the depths of sin to the heights of adoption. Isaiah 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. This is Jehovah God. Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. He hath put him to grief. God our Father put the Lord Jesus Christ to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, when God would send Jesus Christ to the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ 
would see his seed, the children which God hath given me. When he was on the cross, he was seeing you and me because we were bound up together by an everlasting covenant, the eternal union of Christ with his elect. Though we were 2,000 years from being conceived, we were in the heart and mind of the Lord Jesus Christ because we had been given to him for this work. He shall see his seed. You and me. His seed. They're his. They belong to him. Because we were given to him before the world began. He, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, shall prolong his days. He wasn't afraid to go to the cross. Hebrews chapter 12 says, For the joy that was set before him, he despised the shame and is set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Having pleasures forevermore. He shall prolong his days. He didn't end at the cross. He went right on into heaven with the blessings of having pleased his Father. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The Lord Jesus Christ has been given a rod of iron rule and the throne of David to sit in at the right hand of Almighty God. He, now this is back to God, shall see of the travail of his soul, his soul bound up with us and for us, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. It's not our knowledge, it's his knowledge. Jesus Christ's knowledge, Jesus Christ's faith in God and trust in God, shall my righteous servant justify many. That's the Lord Jesus, of course, for he shall bear their iniquities. His knowledge, his soul, but our sins. It's our iniquities on him chosen from eternity. A few thoughts. Human love requires existence. Reflects lovable actions. God loved us before existence, seeing only evil actions. Praise His glorious name. There's no separation from God's love. How can there be no separation from God's love? Because God's love is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it will never be separated from Him. And we are in Him. After His Son, God is bound to give everything else to us. Romans 8.32 He that spared on His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not also with Him freely give us all things? This is the doctrine of salvation. It was made sure in eternity. We have not added one bit of certainty to our salvation. Because it was all wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the surety that makes it sure. Not us. After his death, his life shall surely save us, as I reminded you on Sunday. Election is the sweetest doctrine. Election is not a terrifying doctrine. It's a sweet doctrine. It puts us in Christ. And when the Lord put us in Christ, all these other things fell into place at the same time in eternity. The head and body metaphor of the Lord being our head and we're his body. That's just wonderful. That is so closely connected. What good's a body without a head? And what can a head do without its body? We are the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Did you know that you'll soon get a new name written on a white stone? We could go for a number of minutes about white stones in the ancient world and about a new name on it. But you're going to be in heaven if you're an overcomer. And you're going to get a white stone with a new name that only you know you're going to be a son of God. 
God's love is as unchangeable as any other dimension of it. It doesn't change. What's the longest you've ever been loved by anyone? Compared to the eternity of the everlasting love of God. Let me close with this passage. John 17. Just before Jesus Christ was crucified. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is when the Lord Jesus Christ prayed to His Father in heaven. The first half of the prayer is about His apostles. And then in verse 20, He takes up with us. These are precious words, and I want to see, I want you to see the union between Christ and His people that was established in eternity that Jesus refers to. Neither pray I for these alone, meaning... I'm not just praying for my apostles, Father, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Then you're in this 20th verse. If you're a true believer, a sincere believer, and you can prove that faith with works, we'll leave that alone. I don't even want to talk about any of that tonight. I just want to talk about the nectar of the gospel. Jesus is praying as He approaches the Garden of Gethsemane or in Gethsemane and before He goes to the cross. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. That's you and me because we're believers that have believed the Apostles' word that they all may be one. And this verse is one in fellowship. That we, may, that we may be all tied up together in one in fellowship. The Father, the firstborn Son, and all of us sons. That they may be, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That they may be one. Look at these emp- It's, it's here. It's here. In us. The Father and the Son that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me, that I have this family that I redeemed, and we're all together one, that the family of God will be gathered together in heaven, because in the dispensation, the fullness of times, God will gather us all together, those that are in heaven, those that are on earth, into one family, and the universe will know that the Lord Jesus Christ was a successful Savior of the family of God. And the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them, That's not future. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Now, I've preached this to you before, so I'm going to be brief right now. God declared to the Lord Jesus Christ, This is my beloved Son. That glory Jesus Christ has given to us, that we are the sons of God. He's the Son of God, we're the sons of God. That glory had been given to the Lord Jesus Christ already that they may be one, all the sons, even as we are one, Father and Son. I in them, the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. When you've got the Lord Jesus Christ in the Father and you've got us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is as perfectly united as we can ever be in His beloved. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. This is God's everlasting love and the eternal union of His elect. Father, 
I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me. Not just in me, not just me in them, and that fellowship and union that we have, but locationally, I want them in heaven with me, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus the mediator was loved by God before the foundation of the world. And so have you been. It's God's everlasting love. And it's going to be demonstrated when you see the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and us in Him and Him in us and our fellowship being one with Father, Son, and the elect. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee, and these have known that Thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them Thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith Thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. How can it be said any better? How can it be more glorious? This is God's everlasting love for His elect people and their eternal union with Christ. It doesn't commence at faith. It doesn't commence at baptism. It doesn't commence by the operation of the Spirit. It doesn't commence at regeneration. It commences in the mind, purpose, and heart of God before the world began, and it never ends in the other direction. It reached all the way to us. It exalts us to be the sons of God, and we shall be one forever with the Lord Jesus Christ in God. And the more we know about this, and the more we meditate upon it, the closer we are with Him, and the more fellowship that we can have with Him.